This is Mark Shanowski. Now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 15th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight on July 26, 2018, welcoming listeners to the 15th episode of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm here tonight with not one, but two guest co-hosts. They are brothers, Kevin and Alex Dolinar. So I've had both of you on before, but separately. And, you know, I've lived down through you guys for I don't know how many years. I've lost track. I, I, we've lost count. Yeah. But uh, I have both my bros on tonight. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. Thank you, Will. And Kev brought his long hair back from Europe. That'll uh, be another story. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, we have some very interesting topics for you guys tonight as the Chicago Bears continue their off-season training camp in Bradley Bourbonnais on the campus of Olivet Nazarene University. What improvements do the Bears need to continue to improve on under their new head coach, Matt Nagy, to be contenders this season? Chicago Bears' first-round pick, Roquan Smith, is still unsigned. What does this mean for his future as a Chicago Bear and his rookie season? The Chicago Bulls brought hometown kid Jabari Parker back to Chicago on a two-year deal worth $40 million. How can Parker be the missing piece to boost the Bulls' rebuild? The MLB trade deadline is just five days away, and Rick Hahn, after one trade of Joaquin Soria to the Milwaukee Brewers, has more veterans he can once again move this year as he did last year. Does this include Jose Abreu? I had a chance to speak with diehard White Sox fan Mike Militich, who gave his insight on the Southsiders and his trade deadline predictions. On the other side of Chi-Town, on the north side of Chicago, the Chicago Cubs watched their trade targets Zach Britton and Nathan Uvalde head to the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. There is a possible deal in place with pitcher Cole Hamels. As it moves forward toward the deadline, what players will the Cubs continue to try and target to keep their playoff chances alive? The Northsiders will wait to see Hugh Darvish return and the shoulder injury to star Chris Bryant. How does this affect the team's future and postseason chances for 2018? Myself and my two guest co-hosts will give our predictions for both the White Sox and Cubs and trades we think can help both teams improve their respective organizations. The show will close with the original fun segment of Will Sports Movie Moment. So we're going to start with something Kevin and I actually, and this is going to be an interesting intro to this segment, Kevin, we we got to tell the listeners what we did this week. We did something that they're going to find interesting, didn't we? We did something fun. Yeah, yeah we went to Barry's training camp in Olivet. Olivet yeah. Nice campus. A little bit of traffic. Don't I'm not too used to the one-way streets, but uh, it's uh, it was a warm morning on Monday. I told Kevin when we were preparing for this episode for you guys that I wanted to do something creative. You know, those tickets are free. I think it's great for the fans. We saw a ton of kids there, so that was great. Yeah. You and I actually got to meet a few of the players there. So uh, what what player did you get to talk to, Kevin? I know it's a fellow alumnus, now that you're an alumnus of the university at, yeah. uh, at Michigan State. So we the Bears signed Benny Fowler from Michigan State University this offseason. Good receiver. Yeah, he looked pretty good in, in training camp. You know, hopefully he'll make the team. But, yeah, I gave him a Nice little go green. He uh, gave me a go white, so that was cool. Not go blue? No. no, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Michigan Wolverines. A little rivalry between these two brothers here. <laughs> and I actually got to meet two Bears players. Now, it was kind of interesting. Kevin and I, after watching the Bears practice, which we're going to give our analysis on along with Alex over here. Uh, a lot of things to talk about with that team from what we saw, I've seen so far. 
I got to meet our quarterback in person. Mitch Trubisky is a very down-to-earth individual. They talked a lot about after he got drafted, his good personality. You could see it in the interviews, which is what Bears fans need. He's going to be one of the new team leaders, the focal point of the organization moving forward. Players are backing around him. I love seeing that video still on YouTube of when Taylor Gabriel first came to Chicago. You can see it on social media. Now it's so rampant with sports these days, social media. Taylor Gabriel putting on his new quarterback's jersey at Trubisky's locker, like his yeah. first time locker room. That's – the guy can catch the football, too. He's got really good speed, I think. He's going to be interesting, kind of like a Wes Welker type maybe. But yeah, yeah, good spot receiver, I think. The Bears are continuing their off-season training camp, as we mentioned, on the campus of Olivet Nazarene University in Bourbon A, as the Monsters of the Midway under new head coach Matt Nagy look to improve with being contenders in their sights. Guest coach Kevin DeLarner and I had the chance to enjoy the fan experience of the Bears training camp Monday morning. And Kevin, we just talked about it there. It was a really exciting time and just an opening question for you. And I'm going to give Alex a few interesting ones here that I put together. Kevin, just what we both saw, you know, we're sitting with the fans there. It's really exciting. I wish I could have, I tried getting a media pass. Um, through the Bears, uh, called Hallisaw, I think, Yeah, yeah. five or six different times. I was persistent. You know, they say persistence is good. I wanted to get one of those press passes, you know, be with the likes of greats like Mark Grody and Jeff Joniak, just sitting with those guys in the media coverage, maybe getting some interviews for the show and stuff. And it came close, but uh, I guess they had a small amount they could give out. Right. And apparently on the radio, my dad told me this. I think I told you this. Alex hasn't heard it, though. They put the media in a new spot. Matt Nagy runs a tight ship with how the media, you know, covers his team, I guess. They had him on a far hill, like, behind one of the end zones of the field, which was – and we saw that was pretty far from the the, the field over there. So it's giving the media – I mean, they're still getting good coverage. We saw them moving over by the players as they're walking to the kids' zone. But it was a really interesting – Situation because the media we've seen before, even under John Fox, who they didn't like very much because of how he was with the media. That's something that's been talked about a lot when he was here. Mm-hmm. That they were able to coexist and kind of near the players. But I think Matt Nagy, from what I saw with that, it's got to be he wants his players to focus more. Yeah, I think that, and also they don't want Nagy doesn't want the media taking pictures of formations and. And personnel groups. Giving the weight to other teams. Yeah. I like I see that. So uh, maybe that, but I don't I don't think that's that big of a factor as you know he makes it out to be. But it's good because the fans can still be up close and take pictures. So I think that's the most important thing. And Alex, we see a lot of excitement with Matt Nagy coming in. I know you also saw his opening press conference weeks and weeks ago. There's excitement with this team now. John Fox was you know he brought the experience, but he didn't bring that much energy. It was like. The light of a candle that just wasn't there from the start. It didn't spark anything with that team, and probably that's why we didn't get a lot of the wins that fans were hoping for last the last few years. So what are your first impressions of the new coach from what you've heard, maybe what you've seen in the news that you've liked? What do you tell, – tell us what you think about the new coach so far. Yeah, I think uh, different from John Fox, I think he brings a different edge, bringing a greater edge to his team. Um, yeah, John Fox, he had the experience, but – Nagy seems to he it seems very passionate and that's what the players they all see in their interviews they say that you, they can just sense the passion that he has in all their meetings uh, in the huddle teaching um, 
And he's not. He's, he also said that guys shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, they learn a new system. It's going to take probably a couple of years, especially for the offense. Oh, definitely so the offense. Embrace the mistakes, learn from them. So then you get in the game and and you you can correct and you can correct and learn from that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's definitely excitement. Do you like his uh, trust in Kevin White? I know you probably saw that article about a month. I believe it was about a month or two ago. He was asked how he's going to deal with Kevin White's situation. Now, he's still a really young player. I know Kevin and I, uh, watching among Bears faithful at training camp, we're talking about Kevin White. We saw some pretty good catches. Now, it is training camp, so you're going to see a little maybe less defensive pressure than you'd see in a real game. But seeing that from the still pretty young Bears receiver, and it's about his mid-20s now, mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. You know, with you know Mitch getting uh, a full season out of him, like a full offseason out of him. Uh, yeah, Kevin White, and then you add Taylor Gabriel to the mix. I know uh, they were talking on Sports Talk Live a few nights ago about you have that quarter now of Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, uh, a player that a lot of people don't talk about that I think's a very underrated receiver in the NFL, Josh Bellamy, uh, just some interesting receivers. Yeah. Of course, Cam Meredith is gone, but uh, I think Kevin White could be that X factor this year. So, Kevin... We saw the Bears' defense in the media commenting not just on the offense, but the defense has been quoted and they've quoted to the media how much more exciting the offense is to face. I mean, they were facing, like, no-name wide receivers that were, like, undrafted last year. Somebody they just brought up last minute. You know, like those got – it was kind of like what you say say would be Band-Aids just holding up something when you need something a little more sturdy, kind of like that – experiment people will do where you have a bridge and you, with popsicle sticks and you don't have enough to hold it up you know like to keep it steady i'm sure you guys have heard that saying before right. i think that goes with this because the bears offense now it puts more pressure on our defense to play more defense more defense more pressure and kevin you saw a lot of different things there i know you had some interesting insight on how the defense and offense look together just facing each other what are your views of uh, how it can foreshadow the Bears' uh, offensive growth uh, that we hope for this season. Yeah, well, it's like you said, it's just training camp. But the Bears did bring in a new offensive coordinator in Helfrich, and he he was from Oregon, so he's head coach at Oregon. So he brings a lot of that uh, new look, kind of not not necessarily totally spread read option, but they do a lot of uh, different uh, movement with. Coleman a little West Coast, and, too. Yeah, a little West Coast, and it's just a different look from what they had with John Fox. But like you said, it was only training camp, so I think the Bears' strength on offense is going to be their run game still. And, you know, they're not the – offensive linemen and defensive linemen aren't hitting at, you know, full 100%. So Yeah, no, they got to yeah, save it. So we're not getting, you know, a real, a real, real look of uh, what the offense is going to be like. But – it definitely looks a little different, you know, it looks creative. And I think the Bears have a lot of options at receiver now. So that'll help them and they got a couple good tight ends. Shaheen looks like he's really coming along and then Trey Burton, yeah, Trey the champion, Burton. he can play yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then I think, you know, Trubisky, he's just gonna have to get more comfortable, learn the learn the offense more. You can tell he's really trying, um, He looks more I, comfortable in the pocket yeah, too. Did you yeah. notice that? He looked yeah. a lot more comfortable. With the, yeah, um, but they're not, they're not going to hit him in training camp, so he's not oh, too yeah. worried. I think he's probably got the most uh, improvement he has to make if the Bears are going to be like playoff contenders. So, But that's typical. He's just only a second-year quarterback in the NFL. So. And Kev's touching on receivers, Alex. You probably have a few 
uh, players that stood out to you that were signed? Like, oh, I think this guy is going to be, you know, that one the Bears needed, that missing piece to the puzzle of that receiving core that you I, – I'm – I remember hearing a lot about how you're like, oh, they need more receivers. They need more, like, you know, to support Mitch, not just the run game, but something to test other defenses. What receivers so far that you've either seen some tape on or heard some about in training camp, which one of the new receivers stands out to you? Uh, Anthony Miller. I, I have to agree. Anthony yeah. Miller is an exciting player, but he's, what specifically uh, about him do you like? He's a good route runner. Um, I saw some of his video uh, from his mini camp. When he first came to the Bears, he's a good route runner. He's got speed, great hands. Um, Trubisky seems to like him, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna win that battle uh, between him, Bellamy. Um, who's the other? The other six-five uh, guy. They got a guy named something. Went Quentin Wims from the Wims, seventh round as well. And Brown from the Ravens. They picked up. Um, I think he's gonna win that position battle. So we'll see. He's an interesting name for sure. Yeah, they, he's. Some compared him to Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe he needs to fly up in that helicopter we saw in the media. Antonio Brown always makes an entrance. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Um, no, Anthony Miller, though. I think we'll see. Anthony Miller's a good one. I know he he he's came out saying like how confident he's in these plays. He's like, oh, don't compare me to this receiver or that receiver. I'm going to be my own like top receiver. He wants to be top of like the echelon in receiving uh, down the road, like he, yeah. he might even up Julio, who apparently isn't too happy about his contract, guys. I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, if he <laughs> could just a, be a solid third, number three, even a four option right now, that'd be test some of those top vets we got too, a Rob and yeah, uh, the other receivers we have. So a closing question. Now I'm gonna get each one of your thoughts on it. It's a very interesting spot. The Bears were in this spot with Mitch last year, actually, as well. They got him signed, but we haven't heard. Now a lot of people have wondered. Why this has taken so long, you know, Roquan Smith seems like a really great player, like personality-wise, that's what the Bears have seen from him so far. You know, we've seen the media as well, what they've shown us about, you know, that Bears uh, relation with their new draftee from the first round at eighth overall. He's still unsigned, though. He, they said of the, like, first-round picks, him and Sam Darnold, who they reported just yesterday that Sam Darnold's closer to a deal with the Jets now, that – that leaves Roquan Smith kind of in a rough spot. You know, training camp's still going on. Yes, they gave him the extra week for teams in the NFL this year uh, in training camp, but, you know, you have the Hall of Fame game coming up pretty soon with the against the Ravens, and then preseason's going to start before we know it next month, guys. It's going to come really quick. And, Alex, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts about the Roquan Smith situation, him being unsigned and, how do you feel it affects the Bears and Smith moving forward, like Smith's first year? How does it affect these things? I don't think it's going to be uh, that big of an issue. I think because the Bears and Ravens got extra week. They got extra week of practice longer than everybody else. They got to play an extra game. Um, and Roquan seemed like he was one of the most ready players coming out of the draft. Coming into they the say draft. NFL ready, yeah. So um, I, mean, I think he had like 85 tackles last year at Georgia. So he, he's going to be ready to go. Uh, it's going to be a matter of maybe learning the, the play calls and some of the formations on defense. But, I mean, he'll be in shape. He'll be ready. And I think the reason is they didn't sign this. The Bears and his agent were waiting to see where the rest of the top ten draft draftees were, were signed. You mean like the slot money specifically, yeah. right? So, okay. I mean, you can't fault them. Um, the Bears historically have been a cheap organization. 
So uh, good old Virginia McCaskey. Yeah. And George McCaskey. Not so much now at pace, but we'll see. I, I think they'll get a deal done by the weekend. Kev, what are your thoughts about the Roquan Smith situation? A lot of interesting things that hopefully will uh, end with him uh, in the Bears blue and orange pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be a Bear, you know, no doubt about it. But uh, I'm not really too worried about it because the Bears return a lot of starters and, and players on defense. So, And he seems like a smart linebacker. He knows how to play position. So he, he's just probably going to slide right in place um, and win the system really, really, really quickly. So I have very little uh, doubts that he'll be, he'll be fine, you know. A lot to talk about still moving forward with the Chicago Bears. As we mentioned, they're still taking part in their training camp and leaving behind those new TVs, as Mr. Kevin Dillonar has mentioned before. Uh, they leave those for the students in the dorm rooms. That's a very interesting story there, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. The... Uh as we know, the Bears players stay in the dorms and, you know, they bring their TVs and everything, but they just leave them because they, they make a lot of money. So. They must really love the students there. They must have been like, oh, we got to get back to the community there. Uh, I, mean, I, don't I think it's laziness. Just laziness. Laziness, okay. They, they don't want to move <laughs> those things out. Maybe some, maybe uh, Roquan Smith can get uh, that start work started earlier, his first job since he's been, you know, a little behind some of the defense players. He'd be like, hey. Push, push all these TVs, huh? Maybe, yeah. maybe that's his first assignment as a yeah. Bears player. We'll see. So a lot of exciting things for the Monsters of the Midway. Hopefully contenders. That's what we all hope for. As we mentioned, the first preseason action we will see from the Chicago Bears under new head coach Matt Nagy, returning defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, and Mike Calfreach on the offensive coordinating side. Ryan Pace's Chicago Bears will take on the Baltimore Ravens. That's still a little while away, but that will be for the Hall of Fame game this season. Now going into the Chicago Bulls, they, just some stuff to recap here for the listeners and what's happened the last few weeks for the red and black. The Bulls have another hometown kid getting the chance to wear the red and white of the Chicago Bulls as Jabari Parker out of Simeon High School, has signed a two-year, $40 million deal, year two being an option as well, along with an, hopefully an injury clause like we saw with Zach Levine there. That was signed on the afternoon of July 14th. The Chicago Bulls show gold loyalty to another player that was in their G League last year and Summer League this year once again as they signed guard Antonio Blackney, Blakely, I, God, these pronunciations are hard sometimes with some of these players' names, to a two-year, $3 million NBA contract. The team also continued to improve their guard depth as they claimed guard Antonius Cleveland off waivers from the Atlanta Hawks after the Hawks acquired Carmelo Anthony in a three-team deal. The 6'6 guard solidifies strong backcourt depth for the Bulls as they also signed undrafted guard Wall Alkins to a two-way contract. Alkins spent the first few weeks of the summer league as a Toronto Raptor. So, Kevin, we're going to... The first question I have here for you, I have a good feel. I'm sure you have a lot to say about the Bulls tonight. Uh, based off the recent signings the Bulls have made, how do you feel it's boosted the rebuild? You know, we see Zach Levine coming back after the Bulls match that offer sheet. The returning players, Wendell Carter Jr., Chandler Hutchinson out of Boise State, some of, out of Summer League even. That's some exciting stuff right out of the gate after that for the Bulls. So what are your opening thoughts with some of these signings? I think the signings that they've made so far have been good because they're, they're all young players, so they're getting a chance to see how they perform in the NBA with, with Hoiberg's system and 
it'll give them a year to kind of see uh, if, if they're going to be part of the rebuild moving forward. I think best case scenario for uh, Wakely and Cleveland, they're bench players. Uh, we always need that. We need that they, old 2010 yeah. benchmark back, don't we, uh, fellas? Yeah, but I think, yeah, best case they make the team. Yeah, best case they make the team. Alkins, he's going to be in the, in the G League. Um, and, you know, Parker, they, they got a good deal for him. I mean, they have money, so they paid him more than he's probably worth. But that, that team option for the second year is worth it because if he didn't perform uh, in his first year like they thought, they could just dump him. Little there. Ryan Pace prove it deal there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he's a hometown kid, so that, kids, so that will be exciting for the fans. And I, I was looking forward to, you know, hopefully the Bulls maybe tanking way back when he was going to be – uh, about to enter the draft, but he didn't just really... Just three four years ago, yeah, yeah when he went two yeah, overall. Yeah, I mean, two, uh, two ACL injuries didn't really turn out the way he thought he was going to be, or, you know, the fans did. But, you know, now he's he's in Chicago, and he's healthy, so we'll see what he can do. But, and, um, oh, yeah. I think he'll be a good player, but I don't know if he's superstar. You know, we'll see. No, I mean, that's... The Bulls have a lot of role players. I mean, the average age now is 22 years old. I mean, that's... It's almost like the Timberwolves a little bit there, yeah, or yeah. Philly even. I think it more kind of mirrors what the Bucks have had the last few years. A lot of young players together, and maybe the Bulls will bring in a vet. You know, let's say they're competing top one of the top two teams in their conference. You know, with the yeah, Browns, there's no way they're not. No. They, I the guess Celtics, I'm a little optimistic here, guys. The Celtics and the Sixers, yeah, I think, are, are are way ahead of the Bulls. Oh, definitely the Celtics. I, Even the Sixers. I favor the Celtics. The Celtics and the Sixers, yeah. are, they're way ahead of the Bulls because the, the, those teams know they have they young players, and even the Pacers, they have young players, and they know that these players are going to be good. Basically, all the Bulls have now is marketing. We know marketing is going to be the core of the rebuild. We don't even know if Levine. Could be we don't good. even know if Wendell Carter. Yeah, even of. Wendell Carter. He's an exciting player at that front court, though. Yeah, you guys look, have to nah, admit that. Just there, yeah. look, look good in summer league. Look, that's look at what Denzel did in summer league. He was like yeah, a summer league MVP. That's true. And he's yeah. a terrible. That, those buzzer beater shots. That's something yeah, Bulls fans can remember. Terrible. So, <laughs> I can see we're going to have a lot of interesting debates here, fellas, uh, coming up with this NBA season. You know, the East-West rivalry, as they're going to call it, from moving forward after, you know, the Dubs getting the Marcus Cousins and LeBron going West. I think that's what, you know, we talk about the East and West individually, but now a lot of fans are going to talk about it that way. You know, how the East looks compared to the Strong West Conference, which is interesting, and I'm going to give Kevin a chance to voice his opinions on this. Garden packs, that's a big opinionated situation a lot of fans have voiced, you know, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, the, the famous fire guard packs posters that we saw people petitioning for in the city. What has stood out to you in their approach so far uh, for this rebuild? You know, they're obviously trying, you know, that famous younger and more athletic post. I know Alex usually gets a good chuckle out of that when we joke about that sometimes. And uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts? I mean, they're obviously trying to take a more serious approach right now to this point. You know, bringing Levine back, you know, he's still pretty young, has some more, has some promise. But as you guys were just saying, this team needs to grow. And, you know, they're going to try and do that with a younger, more, like, offensive with younger player style coach in Hoiberg. I think Garn Patch are trying to turn this around. That's for the fans, but the team. I mean, it might not be like Jordan here. We might never see that again in Chicago. But what are your thoughts on this, Kevin? I mean, are you going to – Give Garn Pack some praise on this, or are you still uh, waiting for them to do something more? 
I mean, I guess so far so good. I mean, uh, they're getting young players and trying them out, but we can't really say it's a, it's a complete rebuild. And, you know, even when these players do come into the prime, I mean, they're going to be going against the prime of the Sixers and the Celtics, and I'm sure the West will still have the Warriors and, you know, the Rockets. So uh, I don't really know how it's going to work out. I mean, the NBA is weird like that. You could just run into some dominant teams, and it doesn't matter how many draft picks and how many good players you pick up. Uh, you at the end of the day, you need to have multiple superstars on your team, and they're very hard to find. So. All the super teams make it really hard these days for yeah. one team to have that especially. Yeah, so I think they're doing all they can at this point, and... I mean, it looks good, but, you know, we'll see. Hopefully next next offseason they can lure a couple big free agents. I've heard a lot of fans saying they want a Jimmy Butler reunion, but... No. Uh, personally, I'd rather see Kawhi Leonard at this point, and he's no. probably going to go to L.A., so that probably shows, sadly, to Bulls fans, we like Jimmy Butler, what he did for Chicago, but his, as they say, the ship has sailed on Jimmy Butler, Jimmy's, either coming back to Chicago or being with Chicago. That, that ship sailed when we made that trade. Jimmy was good, but it's it had to be Jimmy's way or the highway, and that you don't want those guys on your team. That type of leadership, yeah, you that's, need that's more not of leadership. A, that's uh, selfishness. Little pig-headed egoness, yeah. as we'd say in the far. He's a great hospital. player, but he's not. He can't single-handedly bring you a championship. I think uh, worst case for the Bulls is that they get stuck in this five to eight seed range in the East in the next couple years, and just. They fall back in what the, what they had in 2010, 2011, 2012. Like late lottery pick, yeah. Yeah, not, not, not even in the lottery. They can't they can't get good enough to get the one seed in the East, and they can't get bad enough to get a number one pick. You yeah, know, they're, they're so just they're kind of stuck in the middle. They're yeah. stuck in the middle. It's going to be easy because the East has about four good teams. Raptors, maybe. Celtics, yeah. 76ers, Pacers, and, well, I guess maybe the Bucks. Bucks five-ish. The Bucks are five-ish wild cards for yeah. sure. So – I mean, yeah, they can easily make the playoffs with this team just because their offense on paper looks good, but we'll see. Is yeah, but is the playoffs like it's this? That's not that's not good enough. I mean, no, no. I mean it's good, yeah, but great. You made the playoffs. We don't want to see another Cavs Warriors uh, rematch. No, I'm sure. But it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Uh, they're gonna get stuck in the sixth seed and maybe win a series and then get bounced by Cleveland or uh, Boston and Philly. So. As we mentioned, we here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special will continue to keep you posted at home on the Chicago Bulls offseason as it moves forward, as well as the Chicago Bears, whether it be training camp, heading out to Family Fest on the beautiful field of Soldier Field right near Lake Michigan. We will keep you posted every step of the way till the first jump ball or the Monsters of the Midway getting ready to start that first kickoff. Now going into the Another big piece of the show. We have two big topics. We just had Bears training camp. Little Bulls recap. We had to give them a little recap of what's been going on. Interesting last few weeks for the Bulls there. Mm-hmm. Now, Alex, this is going to be me and you. Kevin, we're going to give you some insight as well here. But I know you're just waiting for that movie moment. You've just been mirroring to me <laughs> over here on the side how excited you are about your movie choice. So we're yeah. we're going to let you mull yeah. over a little more because yeah. uh, we can't wait to hear it. I'm sure Alex is in agreement there, right? Yeah. We can't wait to hear Kev's always got the good movies, so we can't wait to see that. Now, we're going to go into baseball. We're going to start on the south side. You know, we're going to give them that respect since the Cubs are playing a little more competitively right now, record-wise. We're going to give the uh, team that's up and coming uh, 
the best team I saw. Whoops, I didn't want to say that on the airwaves there. Um, the Southsiders. Check the stands. <laughs> yeah, I think the fans know the standings, Alex. But uh, the White Sox one year ago made the trades of Jose Quintana to the Cubs. That brought Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, and two minor leaguers, along with the unexpected seven-player deal that sent David Robertson back to the Yankees, Todd Frazier back home to New York, and the White Sox got Blake Rutherford out of that one. And An interesting story here. Uh, the listeners might not remember this from last year with the White Sox and Rick Hahn's many moves throughout the last year or so in this rebuild. Just trying to improve it for the future of the long success of the White Sox on the south side. One year ago today, the White Sox traded Anthony Swarzak, who it was a minor league deal, guys. In baseball, that's kind of what I like about baseball. I mean, the NBA has that in the G League. The new two-way contracts have been implemented the last two or so years now. Minor league deals are great for teams because the White Sox took some of those pitchers they got. You know, they, you know, helped help some of the newer young pitchers develop a little bit, maybe learn a few lessons from the vets. That's what you like to see. And they use them as trade bait. You know, they gave them, you know, the chance to, hey, play your best, and maybe we can trade you to a contender, you know, where you can try and win. Because a lot of those players that get signed like that, they're like, okay, we want to play. You know, we want playing time in baseball, the game we love, baseball, but we want to win. You know, a lot of those players, will, any player will say, if I get traded to a contender, I'm going to want to win. That's going to be – one of the main priorities. I want to be part of a winning organization. And today, the White Sox followed what they did exactly one year ago today. It was really interesting to see Joaquin Soria, former Kansas City Royal reliever that the Sox acquired in a three-team deal uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers where they got Soria and Avila in the offseason. He goes to the Milwaukee Brewers, the division rival of the Chicago Cubs, for left-handed pitcher Cody Medeiros out of Hawaii who was drafted at 13th overall in the 2014 MLB draft, and Wilbur Perez, a lower minor league pitcher in the Dominican uh, Rookie League. So just looking at some of the stats right now, Alex, the White Sox had a very interesting series that just finished up this afternoon against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Good Lord, Mike Trout is so much fun to watch, but... Otani has just made it even more exciting to see what the Angels do, a pitcher and a batter. That's just incredible. It's just incredible to see. I'm, I'm sure you can agree with that. Otani can can really hit the ball and really throw the outside pitch. Yeah. Um, he's a fun player to watch now. just worried that uh, if he gets hurt. Um, yeah, did you actually hear about how they um, – I, I don't know if you caught this in the game at all. I know you're – more of the North Side fan these days, but mm-hmm. uh, Benetti quoted this in the game, and Stone was a little surprised by it, but he kind of emphasized it a little more. They aren't letting him throw a splitter in LA right now because of those injuries that you just mentioned. Yeah. He's had a few injuries already in his first year in Major League Baseball. And that's that's expected. Any player, even the best, like an Albert Pujols or Ken Griffey Jr., they had their share of injuries. But that just really stood out to me. And the White Sox, though, they. We're on the side they were looking for this afternoon as the closing game of the four-game road match against the Angels ended in a 12-8 loss as Dylan Covey, who looked good in his last start for the Southsiders, fell to a losing record of 4-6 and six on the year. Trepano, 4-5 and five record now with the win for the Angels. 
so many pitching injuries. Now, I know the Cubs have seen that as well. I mean, there's, there's a good amount of teams that have seen that. I think that's why, you know, with this trade deadline, we're seeing pitchers going first before the hitters. You know, Jay Happ just going to the Yankees. Yavaldi, who's not up there like Happ, but he still, you know, had some value for the Red Sox to get there. But Sox fell 12-8, and they will be getting ready for a six-game homestand. Three games against the Toronto Blue Jays and an interesting uh, promotion on this Saturday's game, guys. I know I'm going to hopefully try and go to that game. I have a, a family engagement tomorrow night. And congrats to my cousin, Caitlin. A little shout out to her, my uh, future family-related uh, in-law, I guess, by cousins. I don't know how you <laughs> I, I don't know how you put that to work, how that's your, supposed yeah, to be phrased. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. In-law cousin or whatever, uh, Tyler. Over, so, yeah. uh, congrats. Uh, from Will Smith Court Special, uh, special congrats to my cousin Caitlin Berger getting married tomorrow night. Love you uh, very much. Uh, but they're having an Ironman promotion for that game, and it, they're honoring the hometown we three uh, had the honor to say we're from, Lansing, uh, the village of Lansing. The first time they're doing it at a game like that. But, you know, we have three games against the Blue Jays. Curtis Granderson will be home, so that's always exciting for the Chicago fans. And three against the Division rival, my least favorite team after uh, the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs are uh, they're okay once in a while when they uh, don't have the rats in the stadium. Whoops, sorry, Alex. But uh, <laughs> that's, all, that's old news. Or Trump's fake news, maybe? I don't know. But, a little uh, bit of both. A little bit of both, okay. Uh, a six-game homestand. So the White Sox, one year ago today, as we mentioned, made those famous trades of Quintana the Cubs, the seven-player deal with the Yankees, the Southsiders currently stand at a record of 36 and 66 in year two of a rebuild that just continues to grow as the young White Sox players and the minors continue to flourish under uh, owner Jerry Reinsdorf and GM, a GM and Rick Hahn who believes this team can have long-term success in the future here pretty soon. He has the deciding choice again this year as all GMs do, on what players the Southside veterans will be seen come out the door of Chicago and possibly in another uniform that they face that next week or later in the season, as the trade deadline is just five days away exactly. Less than five, as the trade deadline will hit at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. I believe it's Tuesday or Wednesday, July 31st. And I had the chance to interview a fellow diehard White Sox fan. He was the my news and sports director at, during my junior year at Illinois State University at WZND, the Pulse of Redbird Nation. He's now with the heart of Illinois ABC, the Southern Illinois affiliate of ABC. Mike Militich, their news producer over there at the heart of Illinois, gave, took his time to speak with me on his thoughts of the current White Sox team and the moves they can make to improve the team moving forward. So, Mike Militich, first, welcome to Will's Fifth Corps Special. Uh, you're a friend of the show, a friend of the podcast as well, so welcome. Thank you very much. It's a, a pleasure to be here, Will. So, the big topic, now, of course, the Chicago Bears, they have training camp on that side of town, but the White Sox, they are facing the same thing the Cubs on the north side are once against the trade deadline, and the White Sox made a lot of moves last year. They made that big seven-player trade that sent Ty Frazier back to his home state of New York, brought over Blake Rutherford. The big trade, of course, that fans remember is 
Jose Quintana to the Chicago Cubs before the deadline, and they got Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease out of that one. And just what are your thoughts one year ago from some of those trades? Honestly, I remember back then, I was a little bit sad to see the Todd Father go. Uh, I, I was a big fan of his, but I did think that that was a good move. Uh, it, it made sense that he was a player that uh, at that point deserved to be on a playoff team, and I think that they knew that the time would be coming soon for him to leave the south side, and it, it, it was nice for him to have that sort of homecoming there. Uh, Jose Quintana, on the other hand, that was another pitcher that I followed for years. Uh, and, you know, it, it was a weird change to see him in a Cubs uniform, but I oh, think I agree. Yes, <laughs> that that was a a big pickup for the Cubs. You know, maybe it wasn't exactly what they expected. Uh, the the Cubs have had some solid uh, you know pitching uh, roundups for a while, but you know they they decided to go out there and get one of our aces, and I think that he's sort of gelling in their system now. Yeah, and Eloy Jimenez, I think, is a name that's exciting White Sox fans. And I remember that the, the story that was actually just released a few months ago of that uh, trade process between Theo Epstein and Rick Khan is just so impressive of how the way the way the social media you always see reports out by the teams. But that trade was kept so hush hush until it came out. Now, you know what? Do you, what excites you right now about Eloy and Dylan Cease? I mean, Eloy's now made his way up to AAA Charlotte in his first full season in the Sox organization. And Dylan Cease, who just faced one of uh, his fellow minor league players, Luis Alexander Basabe, from the Crisdale trade, in the Futures game. Eloy and Cease are both having good minor league seasons for the Sox. What does this mean for the team's future? I mean, you, you said it right there. Eloy is swinging that bat, and people are noticing it. It It is absolutely insane how they were able to get that trade down. As you said, it was so hush-hush at that point, and I think that now people are starting to realize that this is a big deal. You know, people are watching YouTube videos as soon as that trade happens. Who is this guy? What What's his background? But right now, we're, we're seeing a great create a position for him to grow, and I'm thinking that we might even see him in August here. Uh, that, that could be something exciting for fans. You know, it's the middle of the rebuild right now, and that could be something exciting for the end of the summer, especially... Some more fireworks. Just some more some fireworks. More fireworks. Rate. You, you know, you're, you're going to get younger fans into the stadium, because this will be their Sox team. I think that that's a big thing right now. People, uh, especially, you know, I grew up in the era where I was seeing the very end of the Frank Thomas era going into Paul Canerco, Aaron Rowan, Scotty Todd, all these great guys that were there. You know, people that some won't even recognize anymore. Freddie Garcia, John Garland, all these names. And now it's a new era for the Sox. And I think the Tone Feast is a part of that too, right, Will? Oh, I agree. I think it, it was exciting for him to probably face one of his fellow uh, minor league players, too. I know Basabe was like, oh, I'm going to hit this home run off you, and he did that. And 
just looking at the team's record right now, now it's what we kind of expected in a rebuild. You saw that on the north side with the Cubs, but the Sox, it almost looks like it's a quicker version of a rebuild, the way Rick Hahn is even traded a few years last year. I can recall Anthony Swarzak getting traded to the Brewers, and they picked up Ryan Cordell. They traded some of those bullpen arms, like they're going to probably do this year as well. And with a record of 35 and 64, though, it's a lot of good optimism, I think, still. A lot of fans are kind of skeptical. You know, Lucas Giolito had a rough first half, but he's had a few good starts so far in the second half, especially last night against the uh, Angels on the road. But Jose Abreu is somebody that a lot of people now, this is a big question I had for you coming into the uh, part of this show with you, Mike, the Experts are saying they might trade him. Some people are saying they won't. In my opinion, I don't think Jose Abreu needs to get traded. He's going to be the leader of that team they need moving forward. And as you mentioned, the new era. So how do you feel about what's out there about Abreu? And if you were Rick Hahn, what would you do with Jose Abreu, keep or trade him? Well, that that's a really good question, Will. And I, I do think that if there were anybody on this team right now that would be trade bait, it, it would be Jose Abreu. But I absolutely agree that he is sort of this role model, the, the glue to this young, growing team. I think a, a big thing is that he's established himself since he came to the south side. He's grown as a player himself. He's grown alongside his old teammates. Some that are still around, some that have headed out different ways. But the, the big thing moving forward is, how are we going to get these young guys excited and ready to go to play in the major leagues? And the thing is, you know, he is doing a great job right now of sort of training and motivating Yohan Mankata. And I think that he can do that for some of our younger players. Eloy coming in there and a few others down the road. I mean, Luis Robert, that, that could be a thing, too, with everybody all together. I I think that he's going to be here, but I honestly don't see him staying with the team past 2019. Yeah, no, that's a definitely interesting point. Just looking at some of the players, I know a lot of Sox fans would love to see James Shields and his expensive contract that helped paid by the Padres out the door. I'm sure they're looking forward to seeing him go. And as I mentioned, I think Rick Conn's going to be using some of those bullpen arms in his arsenal, um, especially Luis Avilan, Joaquin Soria, former Kansas City Royal closer. And an interesting name at the deadline as well, I think, is going to be Aviciel Garcia. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think? Now, of course, the deadline's about a week away from today. So if you're Rick Conn, where do you – try and send some of these bullpen arms, maybe another Cubs trade even, you know, a Cubs team that needs some of those pitching arms maybe or an outfielder to wherever. What are your thoughts on where those players could end up and maybe where the Sox can end up after the deadline hits on July 31st? Well, you you brought up a great point there with James Shields earlier. I think that fans and, and, you know, people that are just – uh, watchers 24-7 of the trade deadline have thought for the last two seasons that the Sox would get rid of Shield. I think that that has to happen this year. Uh, uh, one of the teams, no matter who it is, is going to see, hey, we do need that 
one or two inning bullpen arm. Uh, honestly, I, I, I think that he could go to a contender, maybe a, a one year type deal or, you know, just a, a short money type thing. Uh, we, we probably honestly would only get cash back. I don't think there would be a minor league deal just because of the, the on and off performance from Shields. Uh, Garcia though, that, that is interesting. I think if anybody needs a good outfielder or a bench player, even if they need a, a backup DH, you know, that, that would be a, a good deal to have Garcia along on your team. Uh, you know, he, he's been back and forth, but I think that he's had a, uh, you know, positive start coming back out to, you know, the, the second half here. Uh, you know, he's coming off the DL, so that's a good sign right there. And I think the teams are sometimes afraid to pick up a player if they're on the DL at that time. But the fact that he's back and in the playing field, that is a good thing there. And as far as I know, I, I, I've heard that he's feeling a little bit better with those chest pains and the, the red heartbeat that he was having issues with there. Yeah, that's going to be important for his trade, though. I know he he could have, in my opinion, had something gone worse this year. A lot of fans are going to be like, why didn't you trade him last year? You know, he had a lot better trade value last year, in my opinion, of not as injury-stricken uh, as last year. But just a closing question here, Mike. It's exciting to see what our new draft pick's doing as well. They, they've taught, bumped up Nick Madrigal, the fourth pick overall to the White Sox in this year's draft out of Oregon State. He is in 40 at-bats so far in the White Sox organization, a grand total of zero strikeouts. Now, it's something they talked a lot about, you know, in his draft profile when he came to Chicago. He does not strike out easily. And I'm sure you're going to have a different opinion on this, but the White Sox, after this deadline, are going to be in an interesting period where this upcoming free agent class in coming up next winter is going to be you know, full of all these superstars, you know, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, the good veteran leader as well. Just a lot of players that the White Sox are going to be put in an interesting position to bring in somebody like the Cubs did in 2015 with John Lester before some of those players came up. But where do you see the Sox after the trade deadline going in the direction of the rebuild? Where, in your view, has the rebuild succeeded, and where does it need to continue that success? Well, I, I do think that we're going to have, uh, you know, a, a positive uh, growth within these players that are already here. You know, but Machado is only going to get better. He's been his uh, seat whatever time that he's out there, sort of moving forward into his role there. And I think the other thing, too, that some people miss out on, some of these players that are – in leadership roles moving forward can truly do a lot, meaning Tim Anderson. Tim can help the team grow in that infield there as a veteran member. And honestly, you know, I thought I was looking forward. I, I thought for sure that we might see a, a Machado come to Chicago, but, you know, I, I sort of fell off that train a little while ago because I, I thought he's going to go to a stronger team. He wants to play playoff baseball there. He would have matched up well, I think, with the Brayu. Uh, I think that would have went well. But, you know, I think that the Sox really need to grow upon their pitching. You know, as you brought up, we've had some strong starts lately. 
you know, yeah, Giovito had a strong game. And I think the thing is, moving forward, as long as these pitchers make sure they're getting strong starts, not wasting time with the bullpen, it's okay if you have to bring them in in the sixth inning, something like that. But those games where you go seven or eight innings, you're showing your strength and how much you've grown. And I think that's something that they need to work on moving forward. Yeah, and I know as a White Sox fan, uh, the listeners at home are going to be looking forward to see what the Sox do at the trade deadline. So, Mike Militich, thank you for being a part of this podcast. I'm sure we're both going to be like the fans and listeners at home here following the trade deadline as it moves forward. So, thank you for coming on and just uh, let's hope to see some good stuff unfold in the next week or so. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so much for inviting me on, Will. Okay, Alex, some interesting insight there. Mike Militich, I don't know if you've – you haven't had the pleasure to meet Mr. Uh, Millie, as they call him, over down in southern Illinois. A very interesting character. I, just a shout-out to Mike Militich. He's just a very interesting person, always carries good professionalism. Uh, but you had some interesting thoughts after what we heard there, what I shared with you about the interview uh, that I had with him a few days ago. It was informative. You know, there's a lot that the White Sox, and I know you remember this as a Cubs fan going through their rebuild, just the excitement of seeing certain players at certain times, like when Chris Bryant was moving up through the minors, and then all of a sudden Javi Baez is coming up just a few months later, and the other players as they came up, you know, more uh, uh, Ian Happ's a very interesting player for the Cubs, I think. I mean, they talk about Chris Bryant, of course, but. Uh, we're going to get into that in a little while, of course, just that little debate there or whatever. Um, what are your opening thoughts uh, that you know were mentioned or that we've talked about so far uh, that Sox fans are looking for? They're looking for answers. They've seen answers so far. You know, Dylan Cease, we saw that uh, interesting matchup he had with fellow minor league teammate uh, Luis Alexander Basabe. Uh, Basabe got that home run off him in the Futures game. It's always cool to see those teammates in that game playing against each other like that. Um, but they're they're getting a lot of uh, excitement and uh, improvement from their minor league players. But there's still more answers that fans are hoping for as the season moves forward. What do you feel that we've said or that you've seen uh, that fans are going to see as an answer, but they just haven't seen it yet? Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's patience. Um, like you said, when the Cubs had their players moving through uh, the minor leagues, it, it's, yeah, one guy at a time. You see him come up through minors, um, and, and they got to – pieces got to – they got to click. You know, you can't have injuries. I know that Sox have dealt with a lot of minor league pitching injuries, and that's kind of stalled their, their – Michael Kopech and a little bit on Eloy too, actually. Yeah, and yeah. – uh, so so if they they got to get healthy and not this year probably not next year but maybe twenty twenty maybe not the year after that or the year after that <laughs> see where I'm getting we got an interesting character <laughs> cup fan here on the show tonight um, but yeah maybe you know before we leave this planet Alex Dolinar he's he he never shies away from his interesting perspective on the South Siders. We're we're getting him out to a game though. Uh, the listeners will see. We're getting them that Yankee game in a few weeks here. Yeah, uh, the three of us. So uh, the Yankees coming down. Yeah, gotta love the White Sox on that one, Alex. But uh, a closing question: the second half of the season right now for the South Siders. 
something that was mentioned a lot in the media, you know, that the team even mentioned, this is the first full year we have Yohan Mokata. Now, now, we saw what he did a bit in his certain amount of at-bats two years ago uh, with Boston in that late uh, regular season. His time with the White Sox, when he came up uh, last year in the summertime, uh, I believe it was mid-June from what I can recall, and he's had some batting issues. You know, we, we see that with young players. Like, we saw that with the Cubs, Javi Baez and Chris Bryant, sure they could hit the power and the contact when it comes to them, but young players, when they come up, especially hitters, have to deal with improving the strikeout and walk rate, how they approach the play. And Yohan Moncada even said he's going to try and improve that. But Lucas Chilito is a really interesting pitcher. They always talk about Kopech in the minors right now. But Ronaldo Lopez, Lucas Chilito, those are the two of those pitchers to come that are up right now, you know, that are setting that standard, I believe, that uh, we'll, set, we'll say in the future, okay, people will say these pitchers panned out. You know, the White Sox have... A, good, a really great rotation of young players like the Mets did, they might say. But we don't know that because these pitchers are still developing. But it's exciting. And Giolito has had two starts already in the second half that have just set the standard that he's trying to go for. Not just standard even, but he's sending that media message. Now, the media is doing their job. Of course, they do a great job here in Chicago with the media, uh, the work they do. But sometimes that just motivates a player. We've seen that a lot with... Players on the north side, uh, I know Javi Baez, that guy just has, I, I, I know I'm quoting the Cubs during the stats talk, but it's hard not to give some respect yeah. to Mr. Javi Baez. Like that guy he, could, uh, I like his energy. Yeah, well, you like the way Even he when we the play game. the Crosstown, that guy just has so much energy when he plays. Yeah. And you're seeing that with some of the soccer players. So, Alex, a closing uh, spot here, just some trade deadline talk here. I'm going to give you a chance to play uh, Rick Hahn. I know you. Uh, you're North Sider, so you'd probably rather be a Theo Epstein for a day, but you're going to be Rick Hahn. And I know I'm going to give my predictions on Twitter as the deadline moves forward here uh, for the Sox, but do you have a Brave getting traded? And if after the Joaquin Sawyer trade, name a player you think's going to get traded and where he's going to go and why. Give us a brief kind of closer to the Sox segment on this. Um yeah, I don't think you traded Jose Brave. I think he's the good answer. Guy. Good answer so far on the Sox talk. I think he's the one guy that you you try to build around. Um, Mokata, Almost like your David Ross, actually. Uh, I know you were a big yeah. fan of his. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't think you traded Brave. That's that's my guy that you keep. Um, Do you see any more relievers going? I know they've talked about Xavier Cedeno a little bit, and uh, Luis Avilan's a good lefty. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, give me some insight yeah. on uh, what, what you can see with those two. Um, yeah, you can trade them. <laughs> you you want to see them go then, huh? You want to see uh, Avilon go or do you want to see Sedania go? Which uh, you can only choose one. Sedania. You're going to um, go with Sedania. Uh, but right? honestly, you could trade both of them, Will, because they, they need pieces. And if these guys aren't working, then you got to – you got to move on. You got to find some guys that are going to work. You got to stay healthy and maybe win in 20 years. As we mentioned, the White Sox, the future 2019-2020 uh, playoff favorites, uh, hopefuls on the South Side, they will be starting a six-game homestand tomorrow, uh, beginning three against the Blue Jays and three against those dreaded division rival Kansas City Royals. Those are the Sox killers. 
in the AL Central. Now going as Alex has patiently waited. Well, a little bit of interesting banter there for you guys in the Sox segment we just had. Very interesting on your part, Alex. I will bring some of that banter to the table on my end here as we are getting into the, I wouldn't say it's my favorite part of Chicago sports, but I, I try to uh, do it out of respect for the uh, Chicago Cubs uh, listeners and faithful in sports. And they always say, when you're in broadcast, you got to be as unbiased as possible. And I try and approach that in my own non-broadcast uh, sports perspective. And I respect to the teams in the sport. Uh, the Cubs have faced an interesting series at home. I know you were you, – did you watch some of those Diamondback games that, from this past home series? Um, yeah, I did see highlights from day games I was working. But um, they – yeah, they're struggling. Um, were you uh, helping that – were they pulling their teeth out, uh, Mr. Dennis, when they had that rough loss, or uh, were they uh, gritting their teeth? What, what, uh, uh, it's, it, it's little dentistry joke there for the yeah, future dentist. It's, uh, it's frustrating, though, because guys aren't guys aren't playing well. Pitcher Tyler Chatwood's not playing well. Yeah, he's – they, they gave him quite a bit of money over there. I believe it was like $12 million a year yeah. in a two-year deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and injuries now with Bryant sitting down. Who knows when he's going to come it's back. It's hard not to see him play. He's got such a great power bat, but his leadership, I mean, a, a younger uh, leader, you know, especially. Yeah. They talk about Rizzo, but I think uh, from what we've seen this year, the three leaders, and you might have a different view on this, but correct me if I'm wrong, I think the emergence of Wilson Contreras that's continued from last year and – I think this is the year of Javi Baez for the Cubs. You know, you could say two years ago when Bryant won MVP that that was, you know, the year of Chris Bryant and Rizzo. Brizzo, as they call it. But Brizzo. I think that this year is uh, the year of Javi Baez. What do you think about that? Do you like how that yeah, sounds? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, even Chris Bryant came out and said before the All-Star game that he's, like, the MVP of the team right now. Um, his strikeouts are down. His home runs are up. Um, RBIs are up. Yeah, he's definitely the... He, him and Wilson Contreras, I think there are two guys that are playing hard, that are act, that are playing hard, and their teams trying to rally behind. But they need they need a spark. Um, Hendricks has a pistol. Another guy. Uh, yeah, they're they're struggling. I'm glad you mentioned the spark because that's uh, usually what the trade deadline is all about. You try and trade for those players that maybe have a one year left, a veteran that could help the young players. I know the Cubs still have a lot of good young players currently on the team and. You know, they're building their minors back because some of those st- those stars are already up with the team. They're showing why they're at the major league level the last few years. And, and there, there are reports that the Cubs have targeted a lot of pitchers. I mean, a lot, I, I give a lot of credit to Theo Epstein. We have since uh, the season started. He did what the fans and the team wanted. You know, Ricketts just gives him so much trust and respect for what he's done, like, in Boston, helping Chicago get to he's the proven. title in 16. Yeah. Exactly. And he got pitchers to this team. But he can't help, in my opinion, what's happened with these injuries. You can't help when, you know, a pitcher goes down for the year or a U Darvish has been out for a while. He's played a little bit with the team. But I'm sure a lot of Cubs fans that were excited when they got the pitcher that was featured in the Dodgers uh attempt at the World Series last year against Houston, but the Chris Bryant injury is the one that has surprised me the most. I know they said his shoulder, they're they're trying to watch the way he approaches the at-bat, actually. I don't know if you heard uh, Sports Talk Live, David Kaplan, and uh, a pitcher I'm trying to learn a little little more about research-wise from the Cubs, Doug Glanville. He was 
a really interesting pitcher for the Cubs from what I've heard in their history, their historic uh, team. Uh, but they talked about how he approaches the events, Chris Brown. Like his, it might uh, hurt his shoulder a little bit or something. And uh, just talking about this new trade deadline, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts after seeing Zach Britton go uh, to New York, a Cubs target uh, during the deadline so far? Um, just, I know it's a lot that I'm saying right now, but, uh, I'm just trying to approach it as the Cubs family. You know, you put yourself in that perspective at this point, uh, with us as the broadcast talent tonight for the listeners. What are your thoughts on the injuries that you've seen? Uh, what do you, what are your, uh, encouragement to Cubs faithful, um, how they can continue to fight, uh, as fans through this pain they're seeing? Uh, not being able to see their favorites on the field for a while, and uh, the hopes for the deadline. Yeah. Um, well, with the injuries, they've recent years, well, especially 2016 when they won, um, they didn't have a lot of injuries. They avoided them. Um, they, you know, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's training. It's probably more luck than anything else. But they didn't have injuries. This year, they're kind of getting bit with injuries. Um, you Darvish. Who knows when he's going to come back. That five-year deal is kind of like uh, making him wish Arietta was back, right? And that uh, Cubby Blue a little bit. Yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty. That's true. Um, but some yeah, some reports say originally it was always going to be back before the All-Star break. Then after the All-Star break, oh, it's going to be back mid-August. And I think now, they just pushed it back again too. Now they're saying bit. September. Uh, one day you hear that he's throwing practice sessions. Another day you hear he's throwing balls in the outfield, but he's not throwing from the mound. Maybe they're trying them out in the outfield. You know, uh, your manager over on the north side likes to put different players up in different spots. Uh, Like Rizzo getting the pitch and inning there. uh, He's proud of that zero ERA from what we've heard in the media. Yeah, that's a whole different... uh, That's that's, uh, respect to the leadership, though, a little bit. That's a disrespect. Down 7-1 against the D-backs, and they're they're putting not just him in, but uh, Victor Caratini. Two. Uh, yeah. That's two position players that I know you can do that in the video games we all enjoy playing, but uh, you know it's not a video game; it's real life, and that was just exciting to see. Now it was, ex- yeah, it's it's exciting until somebody gets hurt. And, no, that's and true. it's a slap in the face to the Diamondbacks, saying pretty much that your win is it's dis- it's discrediting their win, which is whatever. That's Joe Madden. He likes to put his name out there. I think he just has fun though. There. I mean, we've seen those. Famous themed costume uh, yeah, yeah. entrances yeah, the team will have. I, I think a lot of media people will say Joe Madden is doing that. I could agree with that uh, point you just made a little bit there, but I think he's having fun. I think he's confident, but he gives off that persona hey, we're going to do what we want to do. You know, we're the Chicago Cubs. Well, yeah, we're it's... not the Tampa Bay Rays. We're not the New York Yankees, so we're not going to be like those teams. We're going to play Chicago Cubs baseball the way the Chicago Cubs want to do it. Yeah, it's a long season, so he tries to break it up and have some fun. That's fine. But, like I said, you put position players on the mound. What if Rizzo would have got hurt? You know, then everybody would be wanting Joe Madden fired. That's it true. It wouldn't be cool. Um, but, yeah, the injuries, so we'll see. And then to think that Darvish is going to come back now, they say in September, and be ready for the playoffs, I mean, that's crazy. Do you uh, see them getting another front line starter? I know we just heard a report, actually. From yeah, Cole. Cole Hamels yeah, leaving Texas to come to the Chicago Cubs. We haven't heard the players they're going to get in return for 
uh, getting Cole Hamels. Uh, they're probably going to help pay part of that remaining salary. I believe he has about 22 on that money. last year. They're getting money. So the Cubs yeah. will probably give up maybe. They're hoping that uh, they don't have to give up single-A players because they're double-A and single-A players are still developing to that major league level or an improved level because they they got some really young players down there. A lot of younger guys now from the drafts. But just your closing thoughts, Alex. After Cole Hamels, what do you think the Cubs need next? Maybe a third baseman. I know Eduardo Escobar has an expiring deal. The Twins are shopping a few players. Maybe him as a bench player, kind of. I mean, I know I know they have Zobris, but that I think he'd be a really interesting utility player. Joe Madden could have that's. Let's say Zobris retires in a year or two. Let's say they do get an Escobar, just hypothetically from the Twins. Or a player yeah, like where that. You, where do you put him when Chris Bryant's back? Kind of like if Zobris does retire, hypothetically, or he goes somewhere else. Now, we're not saying that's going to happen, but it, the thing with the trade deadline is you prepare for the future, not just the current season, which yeah. is why I make that point. But name a player you'd like to see Theo Epstein add to uh, the jerseys of Cubby Blue on uh, Wrigley Field. Uh, I After the Hamels deal, I don't have one player. I, I think Hamels can come Any relievers? Um, no, I... You, I, I, I guess you they could, it'd be cool maybe bring back John Lackey. That's see if he's, uh, I think the James Shields would actually be a better trade for you guys <laughs> than uh, John Lackey. Uh, no, I know. We, we'll I give you guys it. James Shields from the South Side. Give you guys a little fun of Big Game James. Uh, yeah, Big, Big Game James. What's his ERA? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I think the Cubs. They just need. It's from within. I don't think they need to bring in anybody else. Um, Cole Hamels can maybe be a. Like a Dan Heron was a couple years ago for the Cubs. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, but we'll see. They need hopefully to stay healthy, and we'll see come playoffs. They're in a pretty favorable division. I don't think they're going to have problems with uh, speaking Milwaukee of division. St. Louis. Speaking of St. Louis, they will be beginning a five-game road trip, three games against the division rival St. Louis Cardinals, followed by two at beautiful PNC Park against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now heading into the, actually a closing point here, Alex, uh, help refresh my memory on this. Uh, check out the Will's Fifth Quarter Special Twitter page at William D. Farlow to cast your vote on our Cubs trade deadline Twitter poll that will be posted just two days, 48 hours before the deadline hits, as we mentioned, at 3 p.m., on July 31st. Join us on the Twitter page there for any sports topics, uh, opinions and such, whatever we've talked on the show tonight that you guys enjoyed, what else you guys wanted to hear a little more that we could put on moving forward. Join us on Twitter with a follow, whether it be a retweet, a like, a post, you do what you like. Jump, help jumpstart the interesting sports conversations and opinions that every sports fan will enjoy. Right there on Will's Fifth Quarter Special's Twitter page. Now to close out the show with the honorable Will's Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself and my guest co-hosts and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie, comparing it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast social media pages and post their sports movie moment favorites. I'll pick mine. Alex, you will follow suit. And... Since Kevin has given us the excitement of his, uh, what he 
He, he quoted it to be the best sports movie moment in the history of the segment. Hey, better than uh, I, point. I, I, I believe right. you quoted that, didn't you, Kevin, over here? Uh, a little Mr. Confident. Sounds about right. Kevin will really be following, too. Yeah, yeah, we did give him some time to build it up there. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to start. It's a movie you guys have seen. Uh, Gotta love Disney. They've made some sports movies. I know they have the cartoonish ones, but they made a good real-life true story. Off the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, a shout out to my uh, godfather's son, uh, Donnie Carlson, my little bro. Loves the Eagles. So shout out to you, Donnie, uh, for your Eagles there. Uh, Invincible. Uh, that's right off the bat a good movie title. It's uh, one of my favorite actors that I've seen uh, in movies and television. Mark Wahlberg uh, stars as Vince Papali in the true story. He was a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a losing season, kind of like what we've seen uh, from the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears, you know, and, you know the rebuild years of Chicago so far um, under interesting management, of course. Uh, but the scene that I'm picking out matches with the Bears training camp. Now, the team that the Eagles featured in that movie in that time period in the 70s is different, of course, from what we're seeing now with the Bears. Different styles, different technology being used in the training camps. Uh, but the scene is Dick Vermeil. He's a college coach coming from, uh, the University of Southern California, and he comes over to a losing team. Now, you, you see that a lot in professional sports in the NFL. The teams that aren't doing too well will go to collegiate, the collegiate, uh, football teams and say, hey, let's bring in our Nick Saban. You know, this guy could save our team or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Dick Vermeil was that for that Eagles team. And I'm just going to briefly mention here, Vince Papali came into training camp. Uh, the hometown kid, they gave uh, him a chance. You know, a 30-year-old bartender. They gave that guy a chance to, you know, not just fulfill his dream, but he ended up being the player that they needed. And the the scene from training camp, you know, it features a speech from Vermeil, but it stands out how uh, Vince, he, he got divorced. And there was a uh, not-so-nice note that he had. He kept it with him throughout training camp. And it kind of motivated him through it and... He grabbed quarterback pads. That's the part that was interesting to me. He grabs quarterback pads. He's a wide receiver doing the kick return stuff, a little Devin Hester type uh, role. And he grabs quarterback pads, guys. He, he, he's not the quarterback, and he grabs quarterback pads. He doesn't need He goes pads. in there, and, uh, you know, you guys will have to see at the end of the movie, but he does some great things for that Eagles team. So that's my movie moment. Alex, uh, hopefully a future White Sox fan, we, we will try. But uh, what do you have? Um, I have so I will twist. If that's all right. So I, oh, of there's course. a movie I want to see. Okay. But I just haven't seen it yet. Why don't you share it with the uh, uh, listeners? They might share your interest. It is a sports movie, and it's Uncle Drew. Okay, <laughs> Kyrie Irving there. Yeah. Okay. So I still haven't seen it yet. So if anybody has seen it and is good, leave some comments, and hopefully I'll. Uh, Why don't you mention how this movie came about? What else is Uncle Drew been on that you've seen before that oh, maybe some people might not know about. Pepsi commercials. <laughs> YouTube up, as well, uh, yeah. yeah. YouTube is Pepsi commercials. He gets all dialed up, puts his makeup on, and then... Uh, the big beard. Yeah. Kyrie. Little uncle side beard there. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, just goes out in the park and plays ball with the kids. I mean, and was it a league that he was in? I think uh, so. It was just some outdoor. It was some outdoor, outdoor park. Game. Game. Looked like yeah. some intramural type setup, yeah. yeah. And, uh... So yeah, and it's also got some a lot of good former players in it too. Reggie Miller, 
Oh, um, Reggie Miller's a great name there. Yeah, Shaq. Shaq's in it. Any Shaq gets his face on anything. Shaq yeah. should have brought Kobe with him, though, I think, to that one. Yeah. And then who? Uh, Chris Weber, I think. is all Chris Weber, yeah. Wait, isn't Nate Robinson? Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. Yeah. Oh, that's... So I think that's going to be a funny movie, just haven't got a chance to see it yet. I like that twist, Alex. I think we're going to have to continue that on the show here. Uh, we're always... Uh, changing and transitioning through life i think we're gonna have to start doing no more so cool uh way to set a trend on the show man all right kevin last but not least grand finale kevin. what the grand finale of the movie moment the, What's the quote movie? unquote best of the segment yeah what is your movie sir well i'm also gonna do a twist what's gonna <laughs> okay. be a bigger twist i'm gonna pick a movie which not a sports movie I'm going to pick uh, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, and I'm going to compare how uh, the portrayal of Anakin to Obi-Wan is kind of similar to how DeRozan feels being traded to I like that. San Antonio Spurs. And, uh, we always talk sports movies on the show, Kev, but I have to admit, Alex just set a trend, but I think you just set the bar a little higher. Yeah, I feel uh, like uh, you know DeRozan came out with an interview on ESPN. He basically said like he thought he was going to be in Toronto forever. Uh, he loved to see he loved playing, playing for the team, and then he got traded uh, to you know San Antonio Spurs. So now he feels betrayed. So I just feel it's similar to uh, how he felt with Obi Wan with Anakin. those two friends. Yeah, 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 because you know he was good friends with Kyle Lowry and Greg Popovich. Yeah, or, uh, and I was with Popovich. I mean, he's okay. I guess Popovich kind of does. He's got that return team. circle too, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> but no, yeah, that return game where they face each other, though. Well, yeah, yeah, everyone plays each other. But uh, yeah, that's what I got. That's a good one, Chad. Very one. interesting. I know you uh, had some. You were talking that to me, and I was a little skeptical at first, but uh, you you put it at ease, there, man. That was a good movie moment, uh, yeah, Alex as well. Uh, that's all the time we have, though, on episode 15 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. Tune in next time as the next episode will be announced on the the monthly Facebook Lives I uh, plan to always do in the month. And the month of July, it'll be an even more special one as it will be began at 2 p.m. just an hour before the MLB trade deadline hits at 3 p.m. on July 31st, where I will feature Sox and Cubs trade deadline talking all the main deals going on in the closing hours of Major League Baseball. I want to thank Alex Dolinar and Kevin Dolinar for returning to guest co-host on this episode and what was a fun time talking sports. So you both are like family to me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, bro. So uh, thanks for coming back and uh, keep coming. Yeah, you know, we, we always need good perspectives. Yeah, thanks for having us on. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Maybe we'll be back during college football. Or when the yeah. White Sox win. Don't worry, we're getting there pretty soon. I might be dead by then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A special thank you also goes to my good friend, former news and sports director at 103.3 WZND, current news producer at Heart of Illinois ABC, Mr. Mike Militich, who joined the show and gave us great insight on the Chicago White Sox. So thank you, Mr. Militich, for that. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farr, along with Kevin Dolanar. And Alex Dolanar. And Mike Militich saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk, you can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials. Go to WilliamDFarlow.com. To share your Will's sports movie moment like we do on the show, post it on the Facebook page or on our Twitter at William D. Farlow. 
The fifth quarter never stops here on Will's Fifth Quarter Special.